Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth about commitment. Are you going to follow the crown or are you going to make a stand for Jesus? Are you mastered by your desires? Are you driven by compulsion? Are you ensnared by outward things so that you are not a free moral agent? If you have to do or have something, then you are not free. You're a slave, absolute slave. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. As we near the finals for basketball, we've all observed the die-hard fans that'll do just about anything to show their support for their favorite team. Well, as a follower of Jesus, how far are you willing to go to show your allegiance to the Savior? Today, Pastor Xavier shares what happens when you give all to the Lord. Matthew chapter 14, verses 1 through 12. I've entitled the message, Give Me the Head of John. It's very obvious what the passage is about. But today we live in a world that is evil to such an extent that sexual purity, marital fidelity, and having a conscience is really a rare thing, even among those who call themselves Christians today. The church is equal to the world in marriages, divorces. We may even be passing the world up. And so I think as we look to the scriptures, we always have to look to the practical application. Because what we're professing and what we see going on in the body of Jesus Christ is two distinct things. Now, I'm not here to condemn you if you've been divorced and God has cleansed you and you mean business with God and you're on the way, let's go for it. If you're going to stand for righteousness in this evil world, then know one thing. It is going to cost you. Absolutely. Jesus laid it out on the line for the disciples. He says, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. And then he began to show a lifestyle and a pattern of what would happen if they really took him seriously. But even though they saw the opposition, the suffering, the persecution, they didn't think that it applied to them. They thought it only applied to Jesus. What a fallacy, what a deception, and that's what's going on today in a great part. Such is the story of John the Baptist here, who was beheaded because he dared to speak out against Herod's unlawful marriage to Herodias. Let me read the passage, and then we want to look at the characters of Herod, John, and Herodias. At that time, the time is speaking about what precedes it, as Jesus went to Nazareth, he was rejected. Herod the Tetrarch heard the report about Jesus and said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead. And therefore these powers are at work in him. For Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him into prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For John had sent to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. And although he went 
he wanted to put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday was celebrated, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Therefore he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. And so she, having been prompted by her mother, said, Give me John the Baptist's head here on a platter. And the king was sorry. Nevertheless, because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him at the table, he commanded it to be given to her. And so he sent and had John beheaded in prison. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. Then his disciples came and took away the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. We want to first look at Herod the lustful man, verses 1 through 3. Notice first that he was the son of Herod the Great. Verse 1, the first portion. Herod the Great was the one who had slaughtered the infants at the birth of Jesus. He had killed his wife and many of his sons and daughters because he was always afraid that someone was going to take his kingdom. This was his father. It certainly wasn't a good home to be brought up in. Today we hear much about our homes and our environment and all that happens to us. And they are always telling us that we are the product of our environment, our father, our mother, our neglect, our abuse, everything else. And I say to you, they are absolutely right if you're not in Christ. Absolutely right if you're not in Christ. But if you're in Christ, you have arrived. You can't arrive anymore. Yes, your home and your influence and all that has happened to you definitely has touched your life. But as you come to Christ, He brings you to a place where you see yourself not only as one who is a victim, but as one who is sinful and one who has to take full responsibility for his or her life. And as you stand at the foot of the cross and He forgives you and He cleanses you, then you also understand deep in your heart that as you have been forgiven, you must forgive others. And let me say to you that your problem is not your past. Your problem is your present. You won't forgive. But if we allow men to cater to our flesh, they will nurse our hurt, dig it up, examine it, and make us more miserable and more carnal than God ever wanted us to be. So Herod he had quite a father. Notice also he was a ruler of the fourth part of his father's kingdom. The word tetrarch means the fourth part. His brother Archelaus ruled Judea and Samaria. Philip ruled the northern uh, territory of Trachonese and Ituria, if you pronounce that right. And then Antipas, the Herod that we have here, he ruled Galilee and Perea. Now, if you listen and you read and you study the history of the Herod, it was all messed up. And sometimes it's hard to because these guys get confused. And you have Herod Antipas, Herod Philip, and all these guys. And you say, well, which one's which? So you have to kind of, and, and their family was just so mixed up and so violent and so incestuous. Um, it would be like reading the newspaper today. No different. We are living in Herod's days. 
Let me tell you. Notice he was a man with a guilty conscience in verse 2. He heard a servant say, this is John the Baptist risen from the dead, and therefore these powers are at work in him. Remember he had imprisoned John back in Matthew chapter 6, verse 20. He had heard him often, the scriptures also tell us. But he had imprisoned him. He had beheaded John, and hearing that Jesus was working, he said, this is Jesus, who is really John, risen from the dead. The interesting thing about it is that there were other people who were saying that Jesus was John the Baptist, risen from the dead. Others said he was Elijah. Others were saying, you are that prophet. You recall when Jesus asked his disciples at Caesarea Philippi, and there the god Pan was worshipped, and after that many other gods. There is the, one of the headwaters of the Jordan River, and at the foot of Mount Hermon, there's this huge gushing torrents of water coming out. And it was there where Jesus took them, and he asked them, and they said, well, some say you're Elijah, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're that prophet. But he says, who do you say that I am? He made it real personal to Peter, and Peter says, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So there was a lot of different opinion about who Jesus was. But Herod here says, he is John the Baptist, risen from the dead. Herod was perplexed, Luke tells us, when he had heard some of them saying that Jesus was John the Baptist, risen from the dead. Wonder why? Well, first of all, Herod was a Sadducee. The Sadducees didn't believe in angels or spirits or the resurrection. Isn't it interesting how we can embrace a certain philosophy of life apart from Jesus Christ and then do exactly the contrary to it? You ask people on the street, you say, well, I'm a moral person. And they're sleeping with their girlfriend. They're living with a girl or a, or a man. And they consider themselves moral. And they're not lying. They, they're... Their level of consciousness, what they've learned from the world, their level of education from humanism, existentialism, and value clarifications, they really believe they're all right. We hear much about low self-esteem. They've done many surveys through college students and, and across the board. And, and for the most part, most of us think we're pretty good. Most people don't think they're immoral. And when you put it to the backdrop of our day and what's going on, you see the deceptiveness of it. And you see what has happened to man's conscience and just the place where he lives. But even though he was a Sadducee, he said, well, he's John the Baptist risen from the dead. What's interesting is that what probably perplexed him even more is he knew that there had never been one miracle brought by John the Baptist. John 10.41 tells us that. Not one miracle was ever performed by John the Baptist. But all of a sudden, he not only defies his own philosophy of resurrection, but he also is attributing to him something that John never did. A miracle. 
for he had heard of the fame of Jesus, all the miracles, the signs and wonders, and all that he was healing, all that he was doing. He was a man with a guilty conscience. He knew that John was righteous. He knew that he had put him in prison without a cause, that John was right. And it shows me that even those who are of the most depraved nature, God is still faithful to minister unto them through conscience. Now, you can get pretty far down the road. And you can callous your conscience so much that you can't discern. Many people say, well, you know, I just live my life by my conscience. Now, when you're a little kid, that's okay because God puts that conscience there. It's brand new and you're just growing up and you know when it's wrong. You ever remember going to a store and stealing a candy bar? Huh? How long did it take to put it in your pocket? Man, you kept, you, and then finally you put it in. And then when you walk out, man, your heart's beating, boom, 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 boom. Who put that there? Now, after a while, you kept doing it. There was no sweat. You walked down. You're a pro. See, Lord Mike, walk right out. Eat it. No big deal. Why? Because you callous your conscience. When you come to Christ, your conscience is re-educated through the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Because as we've walked in the world for so long, pretty soon things don't seem to be evil or wrong because, hey, I've done them so long, it's natural, and everybody's doing it. And so rather than God setting the standard, we let the world and ourselves set the standard. But there's another thing about Herod. He was the seducer of his brother's wife, verse 3. For Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. He was married to the daughter of Eretus, the Nabataean king. You get a reference of him in 2 Corinthians 11.32 when Paul is saying that he was up in Damascus preaching and the king Eretus was after his head for preaching Christ and they had to let him down over the wall in a basket through a window. That was her daddy. He was a bad dude. He had married her. But all of a sudden, he took a visit over to Rome to visit his brother Philip, and he seduced his wife, Philip's wife, and then persuaded her to divorce him, come back, and marry him. So then he divorced his Nabataean wife, and then he married Herodias and was living in an adulterous relationship and an incestuous relationship because they were in the same family. Herodias was the daughter of Aristobulus, the half-brother of Antipas, Herod here, who was married to her uncle Philip. So she divorced her uncle to marry his half-brother. Is it that much different today? I don't mean to be sarcastic or cruel. I'm trying to make a point. It's a sick world we live in. There are people today who have no more concern about marriage than if they were going out on a date. And they would jump in bed with somebody else and never tell their spouses and it would be like nothing. 
Everybody's doing that. No big deal. Why? Because of all the things we see, we hear, and we're being taught. It seems so right. We have songs, something that feels so good, how can it be so wrong? <laughs> Try it, you'll like it. Do your own thing. Different strokes for different folks. Nifty little sayings that we think do not affect our way of life, but they do. That's why music is such a powerful tool and Satan uses it. There are words in my mind, songs that I have not heard for 19 years, that if they would put it on right now, I could sing them word for word. <laughs> what are you putting into your bee brain? <laughs> what are you allowing to come in? Do you think it's not going to affect your way of thinking, the way of life? It certainly will. Every little word affects you. All these songs, I mean, they're not even subtle today. They just come right out and speak about violence, about rape, about sex, everything else. I mean, it's no big deal. Pornography on music, it's all it is. And so we see that if you look to the world, things aren't going to get better. But we know that because the world is evil and has fallen, but what's going to happen to the church? Are we trying to change the nature of the church and make it something that the Scriptures do not declare? Are we trying to tell Christ what type of bride He's going to accept rather than the one He chooses? I hope not. There should be a marked difference between you and those who are in the world. Marked difference. You've had some problems in the past. You've been divorced, but now you're in Christ. Then your slate's wiped out clean. Walk in it. Don't walk in condemnation. But you make sure you walk in the light as he is in the light. And he'll bless you. But I warn you, you will be an oddball. Where are you going to fit in? Are you going to follow the crowd? Or are you going to make a stand for Jesus? Are you going to be like this man, Herod, who was driven by lust? And please understand, lust does not only have to do with sex. It can be a strong desire for anything. Are you mastered by your desires? Are you driven by compulsion? Are you ensnared by outward things so that you are not a free moral agent? You can be in bondage to Dr. Pepper. It doesn't have to be sex. If you have to do or have something, then you are not free. You're a slave. Absolute slave. And that little servanthood will lead you to the next. Remember, sin is very, very progressive. You never say, I'm only going so far. No way. You go further, further, and further. Next we have John, the righteous man, verses 3 through 5. Notice first he was born after the announcement by Gabriel, the archangel, to Zacharias' father in Luke 1. That's the background. Remember, he was 
to be coming in the power and the spirit of Elijah, Gabriel said. He was also to be a Nazarite, certain foods, not cut his hair. He was to, in fact, fulfill the partial fulfillment of Malachi, of Elijah, but he was also supposed to prepare the way of the Lord, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Jesus and John were cousins. Here John was a man that from the beginning, God had a plan for his life. Do you understand that God has a plan for your life? Do you understand that God wants to bless you in your marriage, with your children, in your job, in the world you live in? But do you also recognize that there are many spiritual forces that are there to distract you and to take you away and to do your own thing and to run your own life? I mean, there's a warfare going on. Now, John the Baptist was cast into prison by Herod for speaking out against the marriage of Herod to Herodias, verses 3 and 4. This really marked the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. Remember in Matthew chapter 4, verse 12, it says that um, John the Baptist was cast into prison and Jesus left Nazareth. He went to Capernaum and he began to preach, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. This was a, a very important mark where John the Baptist is removed and Jesus Christ ushers in his ministry full time. Very key. He was the one, the precursor, the one to herald, the Lamb of God. He is in prison. Jesus takes his ministry up. And he begins to proclaim the very same message that John did. Repent. The message has never changed. Many in the church today want to change the message. The Bible says that we have to repent from sin. Much of the church today is saying that we don't have to repent from sin. We just have to go to psychologists. We have to go to the 13th, 12-step program. We just have to go back and find your past. No, 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 no. That is not the church of Jesus Christ. That is not the virgin bride. That is a harlot. A whole different nature in the church of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't attack the integrity of these men. I don't know. I can't read their hearts. But I know they're wrong because they don't line up with Scripture. Hopefully, they, they're doing it ignorantly. Hopefully. But if not, God is the one who knows. I don't have to know. But not, that cannot keep me from speaking the truth. Just like some of you are divorced and maybe even two or three times and and, and, and so I said, well, I better not talk about that because I go, I'm going to offend these guys. I can't do that. I have to speak the word of God out. I always tell you the compassion, the love of God. He's cleansed you, made you new. Go for it. So we're not here to bring you into condemnation, but that should never stop us from preaching the truth of the gospel and the standard that God has demanded. The Bible says we are in sin and we are dead in trespasses and sins. And so often we hear today, we're not sinners. We're just dysfunctional. It's not your fault, it's your mother's fault, your father's fault. And everybody's jumping on the wagon. And what it's producing, it's producing carnality in a greater measure in the church of Jesus Christ because no one is confronting their sin. All they're doing is skirting around it. 
Is it any wonder that the church is so powerless today? We're trying to make God one with sin, our sin. Instead of confessing it, abandoning it, and walking with Jesus and the power of the Spirit being transformed from day to day. Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth about the impact of sin. And you can request a copy of today's message called Give Me the Head of John. This powerful study is available on CD for just $4. And this is one message you'll want to share with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. The title to ask for once again is Give Me the Head of John or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for including the call letters of this station when you contact us. Are there any consequences for being sold out to Jesus? Find out when you join Pastor Xavier Reese right here on the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com